Chapter 18 of That Office Boy by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. In which Christmas comes and everybody is happy. It was Thursday morning, December 22nd, and going on toward ten o'clock. Seated at his desk, Master Michael Desmond was enjoying the first bit of real leisure that had fallen to his lot in thirty days. He was now as undisturbed as we found him in the first chapter of his voracious chronicle. In years he was older by several weeks, but in experience. Much work, much mental anxiety, much responsibility had crowded themselves into these stirring days. Michael was at leisure, and he was glad. He glanced out of the window. It was snowing heavily. King Winter was coming into his own, and bringing with him the dear old Christmas, with its tradition of snow and ice and frost, and a child, whose advent gave that severe season ineffable charm. Gee, soliloquized Michael, if Josephine only had a Christmas tree, I'd ask for nothing more. For Michael was very happy. Father Carney was back and was pleased. He had come down to the office at nine and looked over the mail, and surveying the Christmas tree, had gone downtown, saying he would be back in an hour or so. Michael was waiting for his return. In the meantime, mysterious packages, very Christmassy in appearance, were coming in by messenger and by mail. Little girls and little boys were tiptoeing and modestly, leaving Christmas letters for Father Kearney. Miss Margaret and Miss Frances Dalton were in the library just across from the office, putting the last touches to the Christmas tree. Michael gazed at the swirling flakes and conjured up the vision of a Christmas tree at his own home with everything on it that Josephine could wish, with everything on it that could fill the heart of Charles with joy, with just the things his mother so needed. He saw in his mind's eye this varied assortment of gifts on and around the tree, with its flashing tinsel and lighted candles. About the tree stood a band of comely boys, with radiant faces, and they were singing in notes of unheard loveliness. God rest you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay, for Christ our Lord the Saviour was born on Christmas Day, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray, O tidings of comfort and joy. Hey, Michael! Father Carney was shaking Michael. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy, cried Michael. Then he raised his hand and rubbed his eye. You're right, Michael, it is tidings of comfort and of joy. You've been sleeping at the switch, and I don't blame you. Come into my office, I want to see you for just a moment. I don't know what's happened, said Michael, following Father Carney. I was sitting there thinking about Christmas, and the next thing I knew you were shaking me. Well, Michael said Father Kearney, putting both his hands on the boy's shoulders, and gazing with unusual benevolence into the tired eyes. How in the world did you get through it all? Oh, answered Michael, it was fun at first, and things went by themselves. Sit down, Michael, said Father Kearney, playfully giving the office boy such a shove toward a chair behind him that he could not choose but obey, and tell me all about it. After a while, Father, things began to go wrong. The other fellows were out with the money, and everybody was telling me we had no chance. Then I began to worry. I can see traces of worry in your face yet, Michael. I didn't want to believe we couldn't win at first, but at last I saw clearly we had no chance. I was awful blue, and I went to church and prayed. 
you couldn't have done anything better at first nothing seemed to come of my prayer and i must have fallen asleep though i am not sure whether i did or not sometimes i think i was in a sort of daze yes my boy go on well just as i was leaving an idea struck me all of a heap and i felt that my prayer was answered and what was that idea asked father carney looking strangely interested why it was this that you would be willing to let our own contest go provided we could see miss rayburn miss corbett and miss tennyson through and look you michael didn't you have the idea then of selling your coupons to the sunflowers michael paused not right then he finally answered the idea began to come just as i was leaving the church though i didn't pay much attention to it till brother fat and i got to talking it over strange exclaimed the director of the school during my retreat in fact at the very time you were praying i was distracted by the thought that i should get you to give up our own contest and work for those young ladies you don't say cried michael and did you think about our selling coupons to the other people i'm afraid michael that that idea was not an answer to your prayer very often god does give us good thoughts in prayer and then we go on to add to them your resolution to drop our contest and work for the young ladies was i believe an answer to prayer but what about selling coupons father carney smiled that michael is exactly what i would have done when i was a boy then it was all right said michael in fact continued father carney if i had been in charge of this contest as you were with all its buying and selling and trickery i believe that old as i am and sensible as i ought to be i'd have done just as you did then of course it was all right persisted the boy one minute michael did it occur to you when you were selling those coupons to the sunflowers that they would never have paid a cent for them if they knew you were out of the contest but we weren't out we were getting ready to get out you were not out formally my boy but to all intents and purposes you were out the night you made your prayer in st xavier well they were crazy to buy just the same yes because they thought you were pushing the fight against them i can't see where there is any dishonesty in the matter they wanted us to give up and they must have known that we might have given up at any time they were willing to keep on paying for them as long as they didn't know for certain that we hadn't withdrawn now my dear boy we're coming close to the point you say that you intended to be honest so you did and i'd hesitate very much before saying that your little trick was dishonest but there is another word almost like honest which ought to enter into our consideration honest honest what word father honor michael oh exclaimed the boy looking puzzled honor michael a sense of honor in these days of dollars and cents is fast going out honor is a nice sense of what is right and just a man may be honest and still have little sense of honor and the worst of it is he may lose by degrees his honesty because he has neglected honor in my lifetime i have known many a good young man to enter the political field all of them that i am thinking of were bent upon being strictly honest but once in office the question always with them was is it stealth to keep this money is it stealth to profit by this chance they never asked themselves is it honorable 
as a result these men have helped to swell the great army of politicians who are rightly called grafters losing sight of honor they by degrees even cease to be honest it's pretty hard to draw the line father between honesty and honor isn't it yes my boy you are right they call it a sense of honor and so it must be developed let me tell you a little story which will throw some light on it you have read treasure island haven't you twice father the author as you know was robert louis stevenson a man who was practically an invalid all his life when he was thirty-four years of age he was as poor as a church mouse it was coming on toward the first part of the year and the poor fellow was wondering how he could pay his debts a few weeks before christmas the editor of the pall mall gazette offered him forty pounds two hundred dollars if he would write a christmas story of eight thousand words and stevenson jumped at the offer that sum of money would change the whole situation for him so he started with tremendous enthusiasm to write his story but sickness came and he couldn't do it he tried and tried but to no purpose at last he had to give up instead of sending the story he intended to write he gave them one of his old manuscripts and they accepted it wasn't that all right asked michael yes it was the palmwell editor was according to his contract going to pay stevenson forty pounds and stevenson needed the money badly but he refused it against the advice of his friends he said he had intended to give his best work at forty pounds for eight thousand words he had not been able to give his best work he would take only ten pounds that was fine exclaimed michael now don't you think michael that a catholic school should try to act as finely as a writer of honour of course it ought and what would the young lady's sodality think the girls in it are nearly all poor nearly all are working girls but most of them have a nice sense of honour i have met no class of people in the world superior to them in that very important respect we got that money by a trick said michael slowly and the young ladies don't want trick money cato thou reasonest well quoted the priest and you don't want it say father can't we restore it father carney laughed here it is michael producing a sealed envelope for i knew you would be asking for it there are a lot of children in your office waiting to see me you run out and fix this up it may interest you to know that father donnell returned to mrs rockefeller her money it was very tainted indeed run along michael and hurry back i want you as soon as possible father carney was just dismissing the last of his visitors when michael returned well my boy it's all right i ran down to their office and found mr jennings there and a fine-looking man rather tall with a black moustache and red cheeks and oh that was tom coleman the great criminal lawyer he's the president of the sunflowers yes that was him mr jennings introduced him i said mr jennings we sold you people ninety dollars worth of coupons when we knew we were out of the contest it was a trick and we don't play tricks for money here it is and a merry christmas and then my boy mr coleman laughed and said we're beaten again by jove and beaten by a boy then he shook my hand and asked if there were any more like me at home and gave me this here michael held up a five-dollar gold piece and told me it was a christmas gift from the sunflowers then he sent you his best regards 
and then I left. Very good, Michael. You've done a fine month's work, for which I am more than thankful, and if you don't forget the way you finished up, today, it will help you all your life to be what I expect you to be, a man of honor. The young lady sodality is very grateful to you. We had an informal meeting of the officers last night, and everyone insisted that some substantial recognition should be taken of your services. The Mrs. Rayburn, Corbett, and Tennyson also threw in their might. As for myself, I feel that you should get a Christmas present from me, too. Your vacation will begin now and go on till January 2nd. You need a rest, and beginning with January 1st, you will receive an increase of one dollar a week in salary. My, said Michael, won't my mother be glad. You may tell her I didn't intend to raise your wages until September, but you made me do it. Here, now, take this. Open it and examine it. The envelope was addressed to Master Michael Desmond, with every wish for a Merry Christmas, from the young lady sodality. Michael opened it and took out a bunch of five-dollar bills, crisp, clean, fresh from the mint. Count em, ordered the father. Oh, I say! cried Michael. This is a mistake. There's twenty-four of them here. That's a hundred and twenty dollars. I am sorry you're not satisfied, said Father Carney gravely. You see, Michael, we're doing the best we can. You know our sodality is not so very rich. But, Father, it's too much. Oh, that's your trouble, is it? Well, it isn't. Not a cent too much. Go on now and start your vacation. Gee, said Michael. H, said the father. Shake, my boy. Now go. Michael ran all the way home. The heavy snowfall, so heavy that one could not see across the street, allowed him to do this without attracting much attention. Say, Ma, he yelled, bursting into the sitting room and shaking the snow from his hat upon the floor. I'm on my vacation till January 2nd, and look at this. He threw the twenty-four bills in her lap. Why, Michael, where did you get this? She cried. It's yours, Ma. Father Carney gave it to me with the compliments of the young lady's sodality. Mrs. Desmond rose and tried to speak, but could not. Then she drew Michael to her, kissed him, turned to Josephine, and kissing her, went into the kitchen. Michael looked at Josephine, whose face was filled with awe. He took a step forward and saw his mother in the kitchen, on her knees, her eyes shining with tears, raised to the simple picture of the Sacred Heart, her lips moving in the widow's prayer of gratitude. It was the afternoon of Christmas Day. The snow was on the ground, the air cold and bitter. In an ecstasy of joy, Josephine Desmond, oblivious of the company around her, and holding in her arms the doll with a wonderful wink, a doll of the bluest eyes and the flaxenest hair, a doll whose dress was a vision of blue and white, was gazing upon a Christmas tree blazing with tiny candles, glittering with pretty bundles, rich and unlooked for ornamentation, begirt with everything the sweet, innocent child's heart could desire. In a word, it was just such a tree as Michael had dreamed of before being given his vacation. There were things there for Charles, too, just the things Michael had dreamed of. I knew we were going to have a Christmas tree, said the child. You see, I didn't have much to do while I was sick, so I prayed the little child Jesus to bring us a Christmas tree, and he did. 
and i said michael pray that we might win the piano for the three ladies and they've as good as one and just think of father Donnell, said charlie he gave thirty thousand coupons to a swindler woman and he got all the little ones to pray that his blunder might be turned into victory and they prayed and it was and what did you pray for mrs desmond asked father carney mrs desmond looking ten years younger made answer i asked our dear lord for little josephine's life and he gave me that and all that i might have asked and more than i would have dared to ask to-day is more beautiful to me than the day of my marriage more things are wrought by prayer than the world dreams of said father Donnell. i understand now what prayer means said michael the conversation became general the room was crowded miss dalton was there with eva and the radiant prefect miss mccabe the treble voices of children on the street outside raised in song brought a hush upon the company God rest ye merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay, for Christ our Lord the Saviour was born on Christmas Day, to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray, O tidings of comfort and joy. Just think, said Michael, as the sweet thrilling chorus without finished the stanza. I was daydreaming about a Christmas tree the other day, in the school office, and I heard boys' voices sing that very carol, and the voices were the sweetest I could imagine. Michael paused, then proceeded to add, All the same, I love these voices better. Because, said Father Kearney, you love the owner of those voices, Brother Fat, Paul Carpenter, and the little heroes of the piano contest. The dozen boys were brought up by Mrs. Desmond. There was plenty in the house, and fortified by oranges and candy, the youthful choir favored the company with a selection of Christmas carols. "'Caesar!' exclaimed Brother Fat, making away with an orange. "'This is the finest Christmas I've ever had. I got lots of presents. I'm happy.' "'And the sunflowers are sure of their piano,' said Charles, "'and they're happy.' "'And Miss Tennyson is sure of her piano, as Miss Bigby has withdrawn, and Miss Tennyson's happy.' said father Donnell. and miss rayburn is just as sure of her piano and she's happy added the prefect and miss corbett has not only a cinch on her piano said michael but she gets a man attachment along with it and she's more than happy michael what do you mean asked his mother oh didn't i tell you she and her young man are going to get married who what young man cried mrs desmond why john ring and michael you never told me a word about it i never thought you care one way or the other on the question of coming marriage men and women have no common ground good gracious exclaimed father carney if nothing had come out of the contest bringing together again that splendid couple estranged a few years ago through a wretched misunderstanding all the time and trouble spent upon it would be worth while I thought a moment ago I was happy. Now I know I am. And I, said Father Donnell, first arising, folding his hands, clearing his throat, and gazing into space, am most happy because those stolen coupons were recovered, 
because eva who recovered them has received for christmas a beautiful cloak from miss tennyson which makes her look like little red riding hood and because i can hand the school over to father carney once more in fact went on the old priest were it not that the young ladies fidelity failed to get their piano the only fly in the amber i think we all from little josephine the youngest to myself the oldest would have every reason to rejoice there is no fly in the amber said father carney just before coming here my friend colonel bridwell waited on me with mr tom coleman and their mutual friend as dickens would have it mr tom loker mr coleman made a beautiful speech he said the sunflowers were delighted with the way the young ladies had acted and in admiration of their high sense of honour he therefore in the name of six or seven gentlemen begged me to accept for st xavier school a piano it's there now it's in the hall it's the very piano i wanted the one michael i spoke to you about at the very beginning of the contest hurrah said michael and that's the popularity piano say michael whispered brother fat i'm eating too much i'm going to have an awful pain it's coming on now well then stop eating counseled michael that's easy said but i can't and i won't my mother said i never could stand prosperity she's right and he took another orange she certainly was brother fat went to bed very early that night and his mother sat by him all this was in an aside father Denell held up his hands ladies and gentlemen he said then he paused hemmed looked into the air for five seconds and bringing his hands together said in view of what father carney has just told us i withdraw that fly from the amber this is a flawless christmas therefore let us all rejoice as if his words were a preconcerted cue the boys stimulated by the coming martyr master james alias brother fat raised their voices in the pretty carol the christian men rejoice rejoice with heart and soul and voice and so we leave them god bless them every one as we pray we leave the reader rejoicing end of chapter eighteen recording by maria therese end of that office boy by francis j finn s j